Last week, I talked about how you become a believer. And I gave you my testimony on how I became a believer. But it's not enough that we just become believers. We need to be followers. We need to be disciples. You know, a lot of Christians I know live a very defeated life. It's not because they didn't believe that God, you know, God saved them. But I believe that they were not discipled. See, the Bible wasn't created so that, you know, you can use it when you're dead. The Bible was designed to live a victorious life while you're still here on earth. And the more we know the word, the more we know the guidelines and the suggestions of God and how we can live our life on earth. You know, I thought before, what's the difference, whether you're a Christian or not? Let me tell you, we still have worries. We still have all of these things. But let me tell you, it's an easier life to run it with God rather than not have God on your side. So today, the title of my message is, Are You a Disciple of Jesus? Are you a disciple of Jesus, my friends? We are in need of knowing this God. You know, when, once we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Bible calls that being born of the Spirit. You know, God entered into our hearts. We believe in our hearts that He died for our sakes. And because of that, we want to have a, a, an intimate relationship with God. At that point, we became what you call a born-again believer. At this point, you're now a believer, right? We believe in our hearts. We know one day, we're going to be with him. But do you want just want to be a believer or do you want to live a victorious life here on earth? That's the big question. You know, D Jesus teaches Nicodemus in this particular part where Nicodemus was asking. Now, he was a Pharisee who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. We believe that. For no one can perform perform the signs and miracles that you're doing if God were not with you. Then Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. They, and then he began to ask, Nicodemus asked, How can someone be born when they're already old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born again. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it's coming from or where it's going, right? So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. See, spiritual things are invisible things. You can't see it, but you know it exists. The wind exists. So as the Spirit, the Spirit exists. When you got saved, the Spirit of God entered you. Okay? But again, when I just got saved, I was so excited. I was so thrilled about my new experience with God. I believed that I was adopted to His kingdom, but that's just the beginning. You know, when you get saved, brothers and sisters, you're like a newly born baby. Uh, the Bible says, as a newly born spiritual baby, they have to be fed in order to grow strong and healthy. N they may not be spiritually strong, but they can be physically strong, but not spiritually. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk 
so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Okay, you know, I was reading this verse and I realized when I was a new Christian, I was so hungry. I was so hungry for the word. I wanted to know this Jesus who just saved me. And I was just like a kid, as a newborn baby. You know, you may be a strong adult, maybe developed physically, but spiritually, I was still a newborn baby. When a baby is born, you know, I have my, you know, I have some good news for you guys. You know, just yesterday, my wife just arrived in the States and I have two grandchildren. Liam is turning two and Max is about to be one in August. And I was so excited. I told them, how are the kids? How are my grandchildren? And she's, oh, they're growing so fast. And then um, Jeannie, my wife, said, Liam gave me this card, you know, and he can't write yet, but maybe the mama was the one who wrote it. And then in that card, he says, read it, Jay. And while I was reading this, you know what it says? It says, dear Nana, Liam calls her Nana, dear Nana. I will miss you so much. I hope you can come soon because I have another sibling on the way. <laughs> I was reading this. I said, what? What? You mean? And then I said, oh my gosh. I'm going to have a third grandbaby. And I was so excited and I just wanted you, to, you know, you guys to hear the news. I just heard it like yesterday. And I was so excited, you know, how faithful God is in our lives. I'm going to have my third grandbaby. My son just got married two and a half weeks ago and things are happening for me. And you know how it is, seasons in life. But then I remember when I look at the babies, our babies, I look at Max and Liam. When they were born, you know what? They can't talk, Right. They can't talk. They just lie down every day and they can't walk. They can't run. They can't even eat by themselves. Okay. They, you have to change their clothes, their diapers every day. They're very helpless. I remember as a new Christian, I was a baby. I didn't know how to talk the language, the Christian language. I didn't know anything. I couldn't eat the word of God because I didn't know how to read it. When I started reading the Bible, I don't understand it. It was so difficult for me to understand. How many of you are experiencing the same thing? It's so hard, right? I was helpless and I was in need of others to help me out. It was, you know, I had little strength. I didn't know anything about the word. Okay. And it's not yet. I was, I wasn't developed. I just didn't know, but I was a Christian. I was a believer and I needed somebody to feed me. I needed somebody to put milk in my mouth every day. I needed somebody to teach me the word. It's the same thing with being a disciple. We need somebody to disciple us, to feed us, to teach us the word. So for us who have been discipled, like me, I've been discipled now for many years. It's our turn to help others. But let me just say this. The greatest blessing I've had when I began as a new Christian was I had not just one person, but several people who were willing to feed me, who were willing to teach me. But in as much as there's so many people who were excited about my new birth and my new growth, I myself have the desire to want it because there's so many mentors and so many people 
who wanted to disciple me. And right now, I'm discipling others today. Years later, I'm discipling people. But you know what? I don't want to force myself in anyone who doesn't want it. But for those who desire to know God, I'm excited to teach them now that I've been discipled, right? The definition of a disciple is basically, it's just a student of the word. Somebody who wants to learn the word. He's a follower who's taught the teachings of Jesus in the Bible. Or a person being discipled by another person. So you start out as a believer. Now you want to be a disciple. But not every Christian wants to be a disciple. They're what you call Lone Ranger Christians. Christians just, just goes to church, listen to the word, and there's really no connection. There's really no discipleship happening. It's hard to disciple somebody if you don't know them. They have to know you first. It's important that you build a relationship first with the people you're discipling. See, when you go to church and sit there, they don't know what's going on with your life. You can just go there, attend. It's like logging in and logging out. And you can be going home and no one's really telling you what you need in your life. And people are different in different, ca- you know, different cases. Some need discipleship in the area of, you know, spiritual lives. Like, for example, um, holiness and purity. Some people need to be discipled in the area of finance. Somebody has to teach them, train them. Some people have to be discipled in the area of relationships. So unless somebody gets to really know you and you really want to be discipled, discipleship is really not going to happen because no one can force themselves on you. And you can stay a believer for the longest time. I keep saying this. You can be a three-year-old Christian, and if you're discipled, you can have the maturity of a 30-year-old Christian, or you can be 30 years as a believer and not be discipled and have the maturity of a two-year-old Christian. So it's really not the length of time. It's really the desire of wanting to know Christ more. So I wrote here some of the characteristics of a true disciple. First, true disciple is somebody who has a strong desire to know God. Do you really want to know God? It's hard to know God on your own, but if you have a person or a group of people who is regularly and consistently getting in touch with you and teaching the word like a small group, you're going to grow. You know, it's hard to grow when when there's really no relationship. You know, I, you know, just like a mother or a father in a parenting, you know, I parent my kids. I parent them well because I kind of know their strengths and weaknesses. It's the same thing. Somebody has to disciple you. One of the other characteristics of a true disciple is they have a strong desire to know his will. I remember, I, for those who don't know, I grew up in Lagos, Nigeria, and eventually went back to the Philippines. And my father stayed on there in Nigeria for 20 years. I grew up there for 11 years. And every time they call us long distance, we were here, and they were in Nigeria, in Lagos, West Africa. Every time they call us, they would say, how are you doing, Jay? Hope everything's fine. We love you. Da, da, da. And he keeps telling me during that time, I was, I think, what? I was 13, 14 years old. And he would always tell me, Jay, you know, every time you do something, just ask Jesus, is it, is it something Jesus wants or something Jesus doesn't want? If Jesus says yes, then just go do it. But if he says it's wrong, don't do it. But then I realized, man, I don't know what Jesus wants. You know, I kind of know a little bit, but I, I really don't know his will. You see, a lot of Christians grew up and no one was training there or no one discipled them. I really, you know, when I became a Christian, 
I had the desire to know what he wants and what he doesn't want. A strong desire to know his will. Another characteristic is a strong desire not just to know, but to do his will. There's a difference between knowing and doing. You know, I keep saying that, you know, you can know, I'd rather know, you know, 1,000 verses and apply it rather than know 20,000 verses and not even do it. It's important that we act on what we know, right? You have a strong desire to do his will and also a strong desire to please God. You have a strong desire to please God. You know, as you grow in your relationship with God, the desire to please this God keeps progressing. You know, when I met God, I was so grateful. Very instance, I realized, wow, wow, God saved me from death. And because of this gratitude, I want to know him more. Who are you? Why do you love me so much? And every time I live this life, I realize the love of God. I'm conscious of the love of God. And the more I experience the love of God, the more I I want to know him. I want to please him. I want to do what he wants me to do. It's not because I have to, but because I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful with, wow, Lord, you just gave me a third grandbaby. What do you want me to do? I'll do anything for you. It's harder to be a disciple nowadays. You know, there are challenges. And I realized, why do some people not want to be discipled? You know, I want to do. I experienced God's love. Why are there so many Christians today and they're trying to avoid discipleship? They just want to go to church. And, you know, it's, their standard is, I go to church, I read my Bible, and I pray. That's it. But really not being discipled. I think there are several reasons why people don't want to be discipled today. Okay? Today's world, there's so many factors that hinders us from wanting to be discipled. First, I feel that a lot of people and many Christians don't want to be discipled is because they're self-sufficient. They're self-sufficient. They have everything they need. Okay, I can do it on my own. They're independent. I don't need God. As long as I have money or as long as I'm well, I don't need God. They're self-sufficient. That's why I don't need it. It's a waste of time. Okay, Until things happen and they run back to God, right? Then another reason is there's so many distractions. People are so distracted today. You know, people, there's Netflix, there's thousands of channels, there's sports, there's media, there's a lot of entertainment growing, going on. And when there's so many distractions, the, the world is so loud, it's, it's hard to go to God. It's hard because, you know, I can just watch a movie and let my problems go away. Or I can just travel to another place and let my problems go away. We're so distracted. You know, I like this verse. There's a verse in the Bible that says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. There will be. The last days, I don't know when it will happen, but it will surely happen. And there are signs. It says, the signs will be this. People will be lovers of themselves. Aren't you looking at the world today where people just love themselves? where people are just so self-absorbed that everything is about me, myself, and I, it's already happening. These days, the dark side is getting darker and the 
bright side is getting brighter. God's kind of simple. There's no gray area now. People are more vocal now. People are themselves now. YOLO, okay? You only live once, so do what you need to do. No. If you only live once, let me just say you do what God wants you to do. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. See, God mentioned that. Another reason why it's hard to be a disciple is because a lot of people fall into the trap of loving money, chasing after money, thinking that money is going to be the solution of all their problems. By the way, we need money. And part of discipleship is training us how we can make money and how we can save it and how we can be content with what we have. That's why some pe- a lot of people who have lots of money, they find themselves in dead end. They realize, man, it's not the most, you know, it, it doesn't give you everything you need. That's why discipleship is necessary. It's for somebody to go straight to your face and tell you, hey, Jay, you're out of balance. Hey, Jay, you're working too hard. You're destroying your health. Hey, Jay. But no one will tell you that by just sitting in church. Okay. That's why when I do my small group or Bible study group, I call it very sacred. It's a time when two or more people are gathered and God's presence is there and he will speak to us. So make, make your time with small group. Take discipleship seriously. It also says here, being boastful and proud. We become proud when we're self, we're independent, self-reliant. We think that we were able to achieve it on our own strength. Let me ask you this. Who gave you your strength? Who gave you your connections? Who gave you your abilities? Who gave you your talent, your intelligence? Who gave all of this? It's God. You can't brag about it. Who gave you your physical strength? It's God. Who gave you your health? God. At the end of the day, you're going to fall back to God. Okay? Boastful. Don't be boastful. Abusive. Disobedient to their parents. Okay? Ungrateful. Oh, my gosh ungratefulness will destroy you. It's, you know, when we're grateful, when we, when we're grateful, we're always connecting ourselves to God. Some people have become unholy. They have chased after so many things in the world and they've led lives that are unholy, unpleasing to God, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. Oh man, brutal, not lovers of the good, Treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You know, I keep saying this. You know why people sin? Because it's pleasurable, right? We, we do the wrong things because it's pleasurable. Sin is pleasurable, but it's not right. There, not everything that's pleasurable is right. I, I, was at, I was just correcting somebody. He says, you know, the goal in life is to be happy. Oh my gosh, that is not biblical. The goal in life is not to be happy. It's not, not, not just to be happy, but sometimes God tells us to do things we don't like to do. And some of the things God tells me to do are things that are very sacrificial. So not everything that makes you happy is from God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. Be careful with that. People are consumed today with the world. You know, they, you know, I talk about the eight P's in my last preaching. If I, you know, people, places, position, possession, power, pleasure, popularity, party, people like all those P's. And there's nothing wrong with people and relationship and places and traveling. There's nothing wrong with all of that. 
But if you make those things ahead of God, if you seek those things, they can be an idol in your life. Bible says clearly, do not love the world or anything in the world. Don't love the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the eyes, okay, the things you, you lust after, the lust of the flesh, worldly pleasure, and the pride of life, our egos, you know, comes not from the Father, but from the world. That's why God said, don't love the world. Okay? Are the things in the world bad? No. But when you love them more than God, it becomes a problem. And that's why you need discipleship. We need somebody who will tell us in our face, the reason you reacted like that was because you were prideful, and that is wrong. The reason you overspent is because there's so much lust of the flesh. The reason why you're doing that is because you have become a lover of the world. Check your heart. Where are you? And you're standing with God. Are you in right standing with Him? To do this, we need something that's regular. That's why God said, do not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You know, I thank God for the people who mentored me. I thank God for the people who discipled me, week in and week out, who will speak to my life. Some of them tell, tell me things I don't want to hear, and I appreciate it. Because today, I see the benefits. I see a victorious life on earth. That's why, I, let me just say this. The world and its desires, it will all pass away. But whoever does the will of God will live forever. Again, there's nothing wrong with the things of the world. Your heavenly father knows that you want them and you want to have them. But if you begin to love those things more than God, that's going to be a problem. So I'm going to conclude. How do you become a disciple? If you truly want to be a disciple, find a mentor. Find a group where you can grow spiritually. And you can learn more about God and be intimate with Him. Amen?